As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Soccer Show and a very special batch of World Cup themed listener questions. Yes, listener, today it's a travel day for the TSS team. We're all heading back to our respective time zones. So we're not going to go in depth on Tuesday's Group C and Group D matches. We're going to answer your questions instead. Wonderful stuff. My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me today, a man who's about to drive through, I believe, six states to get home from our Brooklyn HQ, Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. Six states, some faster than others, is my assumption based on 95. The whims of the 95 gods. Sometimes it's clear. Sometimes you're going to sit there for 14 miles. Uh, but either way, I don't have to go through the TSA, so I'm good with it. That is good. Do you get to go through the south of the border rest stop? <laughs> I do not. That is that is a North Carolina exclusive uh. that you will see signs for from, I think as soon as you're like 100 miles away, they start putting up those billboards. I've never stopped. Have you? Yep. I've not, but I, I, there are the signs 100 miles away. And then when you're sort of yeah. 50 miles gone past it, it's 50 miles back that way. Uh, you, 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 you want to turn around? around? <laughs> really I good. do not want to turn around. <laughs> Joining us also, Taylor, is a man who's about to fly back to the desert. A little older, a little wiser, and with more what we do in the shadows quotes in his locker <laughs> that he had when he arrived. Joe Lowry, hello. It is true. I wish we'd had a little more time to watch and just to hang out as the evenings wore on. It turns out there was a lot to do throughout mm-hmm. our time here. We, we did shows every single day. We went and did shows for Bleacher Report and really enjoyed that and hanging out at the studio. I know Graham loved that, especially with the four of us. Overall, we had a really good time. Maybe next time, next World Cup 2026, for the men at least. Who knows? Maybe next summer we'll, we'll figure something out. We can watch like three more episodes. Oh, is it like being at summer camp is it, but in winter and working very hard every day? Yeah, so the perfect yeah. comparison, right? Really, really good. <laughs> Indeed. Rounding out the pack as always, we got a man who's going to have to fly coach for the first time in a while <laughs> as he heads back to Scotland. It's Graham First Class Ruthven. Hello. Hello, Ryan Bailey. Yes, I'm, I'm now accustomed to turning left when I uh, walk onto the mm. plane after my journey here, but unfortunately I'll be turning right for my trip back to Scotland. You pleb. I'm so I know. <laughs> you commoner. I'll, I'll have plastic cutlery on this flight home. Yeah. Graham, I'm in row 47. Right, okay, okay. Yeah, well, you even have cutlery. They'll just tell you to use your hands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll just be like, be glad the people queuing for the toilet aren't sitting on your lap, is what they'll sure. say. Yeah. 
Yeah, sure. very good. All right. Well, why don't we get to our listener questions? We'll get straight to it. Uh, thank you very much if you submitted them to us. Oh, by the way, and if you want to carry on the fun and games during this tournament, patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show for TSS Plus. They've got. They've got, we've got podcasts mm-hmm. on there, extra podcasts. We've got video, we've got written pieces. Joe, it's just a barrel of laughs a minute. It's been great. We've had, shoot, what was up yesterday? I think yesterday we put up a soccer video of us playing um, when we had a few folks out at, Graham, what was that? Soccer Roof in soccer Brooklyn? Soccer Roof, yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. We've had blog posts up. Taylor wrote about specific goal intricacies. Taylor broke down the U.S.'s win before it even happened on our <laughs> Patreon. So go subscribe. It's fun. We have a good time. You can support us and enjoy yourself along the way. Indeed. Thank you very much. Let's get to those questions now. Tim Katz has got in touch. Only eight countries have ever won the World Cup. Who will be the ninth? Taylor, I'm tempted to say someone like the Netherlands because, you know, so close. Yep. Uh, I'm really interested to hear what you and Graham have to say about this one because my two honest answers are the Dutch. They've never won it before. It feels like they should have and still could. Uh, But I feel like as time goes on, uh, the United States isn't going to have less money unless things go uh, horrifically wrong. You never know. But I feel like the U.S. will continue to develop, continue to send players abroad, continue to develop their homegrown talent as Joe yawns into the mic. I don't know if Joe's in on this answer or not, but I feel like the U.S. is another one. I've said before, I think they'll win it in my lifetime. I I do think that's the case, provided the talent talent development continues. Uh, so for me, it's the United States and the Dutch. The yawn was directed at morning, not at you, I Taylor. See, I yes. see. <laughs> um, I'll go. I'll go. I don't have the U.S. on my mm-hmm. list. I, I want to put them there, but I couldn't get them in over the other two that I have topping. I don't think the U.S. are like that far down the list of next teams. So teams that have already won it, just in case listeners don't know. Brazil, Germany, Italy, Argentina, France, Uruguay, England, and Spain. So those eight are off the board. It has to be someone that's not in those categories. The Netherlands are on my close list. They're not my top team, though, not, nor are the United States. For me, it's Portugal. Yeah. Portugal have the talent. And, yeah. and the best part about this Portugal team is it doesn't seem like that's slowing down, Graham, anytime soon. Like, if anything, I think they are just sort of at the tip or, or getting closer and closer to the tip of the iceberg, whereas maybe someone like Belgium is on the way down. I thought about putting them here as well, but I just don't think that's as reasonable. So the Netherlands and Portugal are are probably the next two teams for me. Portugal being the first, though. Yeah, I, I think it can be easy to forget that that Portugal being good at soccer is actually a relatively recent New. thing. Yeah. So until 2002, they'd only ever qualified for two World Cups in, in their entire history. And since then, of course, they've qualified for every single one and they've won the Euros and they've made another Euros final. And similar to what Joe is saying, yes, Belgium might be up there, but I don't have faith that their youth system is going to continue to produce the players. When you look at teams like Porto and Sporting and and Benfica and the players that are coming through and how that conveyor belt just continues to roll, I think Portugal are going to be a serious force for decades to come. Certainly as soon as they get rid of Fernando Fernando Santos as manager, (laughs) they might be right there. I think that's maybe why I didn't have Portugal in mind, is the more, strangely, the recency bias, forgetting that they only recently have become like that dominant of a team, that consistently dominant of a team. But it is Fernando Santos, I think, combined with Ronaldo, how often they've been sort of built around Ronaldo. More on him later with yeah, a different yeah, question. Yeah, me too. Uh, and I think those two things sort of clouded me there. Because I agree with everything you said about Belgium. I agree that that's kind of the case for the Dutch to some extent. It, that's what I was saying. It feels like as time goes on, other teams will will have more money, more development, and the Dutch seem to be consistently in that 
like the second tier of teams that could challenge but ultimately don't. It's why I think it's not the worst draw for the United States. I don't expect the U.S. to get past the mm-hmm. Netherlands, but I think it's possible. Whereas I think if the U.S. had drawn Portugal, I would be much more concerned. And, and the thing about the Dutch is they produce excellent players, but a lot of them are of the same sort of type. Whereas mm-hmm. if I look at Portugal, I think there's a greater variety in terms of the players that they produce. So they, they produce excellent cent- central defenders like Ruben Diaz, but then they produce skillful attackers like Yao Felix. Yep. And I just think there's a greater breadth of what they're able to produce than maybe some other countries. Yeah, because the one time the Dutch like went away from their system, they make the final, but it is the, the team that gets like publicly disowned by famous <laughs> yeah. Dutch personalities for being overly physical, overly aggressive. So maybe they can, but I think finding that balance is a tough one. And what do we think the chances are of a ninth new side winning this time around? I suppose there's limited contenders at this point. Low is my answer to that question. (laughs) I I still think it's going to be one of France, Spain, or or Brazil probably at this point. Argentina were higher on my list before the tournament started, but those have been the teams that have impressed me most of this competition, and they're all on that list of eight that I read out earlier. Here's what I'll say. Like, I agree with you for the most part. The only team that I really like jumps to mind who didn't jump to mind in the first place is this Portugal team yeah. because we've seen them grind their way to a European championship, not playing the most inspiring football. Uh, and with Ronaldo on the touchline, you never know what will happen there. Uh, but it, it does seem like a team that could potentially grind their way through the group stage, into the knockout round, through the knockout round, get timely goals from their key contributors and their more technical players and find a way to win. That was where I was trying to lead you because I think Portugal were the key contender to be the ninth potentially this time around. Because I think if you remember back to Euro 2016, when we were at the group stage, we didn't think this Portugal team were going to win it all. I don't think any of us thought that, did we? No. Definitely not. I wonder what the betting odds would have been on Adair to hit the winner. I can't imagine that to win the European Championship. I don't think you uh, you would have had to bet uh, too much to win. Ryan would not be doing this show right now if he True. placed that bet. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I'd be on my island. That's right. That's right. Yeah, there there is go. always that feel with Ryan that if he hits one big, it's like, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to Chili's to spend all yeah. my money. We, we've yeah. got to have Graham working on his rhymes instead. Just by in the Apple store yeah. and then uh, stopping by Lululemon as well. That's right. That's right. I have a certain brand. But that's been established. Uh, but yeah, maybe if one comes in mid-episode, I'm just going to walk. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, let, why don't we? That leads nicely into mm. another question we have, which can inspire uh, further this debate from Ben Washburn. Why don't we go to that question? Who wins the World Cup first, mm. the US or the Netherlands? Taylor, you've kind of laid your stall out here. I think I have. I, I think over time it becomes the United States. I really do feel that way. You look at how it's it's developed. The game is developed in this country, uh, both in terms of the spread of popularity, the spread of the league, the growth of the league itself, other leagues coming up like smaller leagues that are going to give young players more opportunities at a younger age to kind of continue the professional careers that they might not otherwise have been able to college game isn't going anywhere so I think you'll continue to have lots of players playing the game I also think soccer has been very good about adjusting or better than most sports about adjusting to the concerns about head injuries you have build out lines they're limiting headers at a young age we haven't gone full scotland and eliminated it in training but i think that's the way it's going and i think more and more parents will be okay with their kids playing soccer as opposed to other sports i think that will keep the popularity going and so i think in the end it becomes the united states just because so many people playing it with so much money Mm -hmm. behind it i think you're going to keep having players developed and make that leap and so I think it's the Dutch in the short term. In yeah. the long term, I think it's the United States. Yeah, you said something really important at the start of your answer there. Over time, I think that's key. So mm-hmm. I think if the Netherlands haven't won one by, this is kind of arbitrary, but picking a, a, a date, if they haven't won one by 2034, yep. so that's like three or four World Cups from now, maybe four including this one, then I think it becomes the United yep. States for all mm, the reasons right. that you've said. The, the, the difficult part in projecting is that you're counting on this 
current US generation leading to mm -hmm. a better one? Because I know everyone talks about this being the golden generation for the US and maybe it is in terms of being the best ever or the most talented US men's national team. I still don't think this team, even once they mature, is good enough to win a World Cup. You're mm -hmm. counting on even better players yeah. coming along the, uh, uh, at the back of them. So that's where it's a little bit difficult and that makes me a little bit uncomfortable projecting. But I agree. I think over time, the US's chances increase of winning a World Cup. I, I agree with that statement there, Graham. I think the US's chances do increase over time. It seems to me that the Netherlands are, are kind of already where we're talking about the US being, right. which is why my answer to this question of who's going to win the World Cup first is the Netherlands. I think they are the more likely team to win it in the short term. And I think the U.S. are going to continue to close the gap over time. It's going to be slow, but they will do that as the infrastructure, Taylor, you were wise to point this out, continues to grow. But the Netherlands have proved over and over again that they have the next generation coming up afterwards. I mean, Xavi I mean, Simmons. to win one. Xavi Simmons or Xavi Simons. I don't know which. I still don't know which one it is. He's Nobody a sniff the field. He's a sniff the field. And he is one of the best young talents in world soccer right now. Cody Gakpo is, is more talented than any player the U.S. has. The Netherlands have proven over and over again that they can develop talent. And, and yeah. Taylor, sort of to your counterpoint, you know, they've never won one. Well, the U.S. hasn't won one either. And I think the Dutch are like a full eight or ten steps ahead of the U.S. The gap will close, I think. But my answer, I wish it wasn't, but my answer is the Netherlands. I, I think I agree with Joe on that one, just because it just feels like I completely get the logic of the infrastructure and the investment in the U.S. game. But mm -hmm. the Netherlands machine is just a bit further down the road, isn't it? it, it and as Joe says, it's, it's the U.S. are aspiring to get to the point where the Netherlands kind of are. Let right? me ask you this, though. Do you all feel like, like, and I am ignorant. I will state this up front. It's not as though I've studied the Dutch game. I've read a book or two, but like, not really. Like, but, but <laughs> that, it feels, Hang on, hang on. We're in Brooklyn. That was the most hipster thing I've ever heard. I've studied the Dutch game. I haven't studied the Dutch <laughs> game. <laughs> what I'm saying. I've read Johan Cruyff's book, which is very about Johan Cruyff. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, no, I have not studied the Dutch game, which is okay. why I'm trying to establish early. But to me, the reason why I don't feel that way is because it feels like the Dutch are who they have kind of always been, a team that is very good yeah. but doesn't have that final piece to win that next-level competition. Even when they had the best players in the world playing the most innovative soccer in the world, they don't win. And so I look at this Dutch team, and there are vulnerabilities within it that we've talked about. And so for me, looking at the two programs, it's kind of what you were talking about with Belgium, I feel like. It's, it's a program that has so much talent but never seems to be able to put it together. And so to me, that seems to be, if not their ceiling, the sort of where their status quo is. I don't see them pushing on over the past 10 years or over the next 10 years. And, and the Dutch, their, their track record in World Cups could actually be a bit of a warning for the US in terms of just because you're mm -hmm. ready to win a World Cup doesn't yeah. mean you win yeah. a, a World Cup. So the US could be ready to win a World Cup by 2034. You could look at that team and say, well, they could win the whole thing. That doesn't mean that they will. You know, it could take 20 yeah. years for a, 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 an elite level US team to win a, a World Cup. And that's kind of where the Dutch have been yeah. for what, like the last 40 years? At, yeah. at that point, you'd look at them and think they could do it, but they never do. And and that could be the US feasibly. I, so think, I think this just comes down to, for me, Taylor, I hear, and Graham, I hear what both of you are saying about the Dutch being close but never actually fully getting there. I, I just think the Dutch are more likely to punch above their weight maybe once at some point in the next 50 years than the U.S. are to get to where the Netherlands are and then also punch above their weight in that same time span. That, it, like, or I guess I've already said my piece, but I think the Netherlands are just far enough ahead to the point where I, I really wouldn't be surprised if they win a World Cup at some point in the next few years. I mean, we came into this tournament. Taylor, I, I recall you saying this, I think, at the live mm -hmm. show. The, the Dutch is one of the favorites, right? Yeah. And maybe they haven't quite looked it. I don't think they've quite looked it in this tournament. Yeah, but you, you have been pretty down on the there's Dutch, always There is always <laughs> the chance that the Netherlands are going to yeah. come into a major tournament and win versus the U.S. I think it's going to take us another 
few years at the least before they can say the same. I would be very happy if they did. Uh, the D- Dutch football is like the model I think people should follow. I think Johan Cruyff is, he's my favorite player. I think he's one of the most important minds and influencers in the history of football. I would love if the Dutch won. It would make me very happy. Mm. I think I've just been through m- multiple tournaments of like, okay, this is the one. They're going to, oh, no, they're out in the group stage. Never mind. Uh, so I hope that is not the case. I hope they make a run. I hope they do make the final and win it all. That would make me very, very just happy. Just next next time, right? Not yeah. this time. No, they can do it this time. Cody Gakpo. Oh, yeah, no, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. I mean, no, but if, if they are to get past the United States, sure. if they win yeah. that game, I would love that. I would love for Cody Gakpo to score four on whom, on England in the final, and uh, are, are life the, is good. Are the Netherlands the world's most favorite neutral nation, as in the nation that we all would like them to do well, despite not being Dutch? They've, got, they've got good branding. The right. branding of the Dutch are like... Small country that plays really good football somehow engineered their way to existing as a country and not being yeah. flooded and weed is legal. So, like, I think there's they've 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 done a good job of yeah, uh, like showing the world that they have engineer brains and they're cool with relaxation. Yeah, I think the only person who would disagree would be Austin Powell's father Nigel, yes, who famously said, "There are only two things I can't stand in this world: <laughs> people who are intolerant of other cultures." And the Dutch. I was wondering if there was a Michael Caine impression somewhere in there. <laughs> I got and it. now we know. I got it. All right, one final <laughs> question. A good one. one final question on this one. Uh, what happens first, Taylor? Mm-hmm. US win the World Cup, Netherlands win the World Cup, or the Rolling Stones stop touring? I mean, Keith Richards cannot be killed by conventional weapons. Yeah. We know that. So he will always be touring. Mm. So in that way, that will just continue to happen for forever. I'll go the Dutch win the World Cup first. Wow, bold. Agree. Holographic Rolling Stones will be going forever. Mm. They'll be touring stadiums in South America uh, for a hundred years. Yeah, I believe The Simpsons had a mocked-up poster of the future with the steel wheelchair tour. <laughs> Which, uh, I mean, that's that seems like Mick yeah. Jagger. As yeah. long as he can find a way to stimulate himself into a performance, I think he will. Indeed. I'm trying to avoid the fire truck of Loris for you too. <laughs> Let's take a break. Then, when we come back, more listener questions. Back shortly. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to World Cup Listener Questions. Holly Barton has been in touch and said there have been a number of upsets this World Cup. Which has been the most surprising and why? Joe, what do we think about this one? So I only really found yeah. like two upsets that surprised me so far in this tournament. 
Maybe there's more that I, I just am not giving enough credit to. But the only two that I really have on my list are Saudi Arabia upsetting Argentina mm-hmm. and Japan upsetting yeah. Germany. I loved both of those games. Both, I think, are two of the most memorable games from this tournament. I do have Saudi Arabia against Argentina as the most memorable upset in this particular competition that was surprising as well, just because I think the talent gap there is so much greater than in any other upset, and really in most other games that we've seen so far this tournament. Saudi Arabia clearly have players. They have a couple of brilliant goals in that game to upset Argentina, but Argentina come into this competition as, what, Ryan, the second favorites by the betting odds? I know Brazil were, were top. I think Argentina were second or, or thereabouts. So that, for me, is the most surprising one. When you look at, you know, one team has Leo Messi and the other team does not, right? The other team has players that play in Saudi Arabia. There's a huge divide there. Credit to Saudi Arabia for getting the job done. I think if you play that game 90, 100 times, Saudi Arabia maybe win five of them or, or even less than that. And the fact that we got to see one of the ones that they did win in this, I guess, weird now multiple reality multiverse that I've created, that one for me is the most surprising. Yeah, I think that's the the, the right answer. And as, as well, the Japan beating Germany game. For the sake of variety, I'll also put forward Costa Rica beating Japan. Um, yeah. So I didn't watch that match live. And I think that added to my sense of surprise because I woke up and I had a lot of questions over how uh, how this had happened um, after Germany, or so, sorry, after Japan beat Germany. I thought they were probably through because a win over Costa Rica puts them on six points, which yeah. is probably enough. Um, Costa Rica had looked dreadful against Spain and conceded uh, seven. So it, it, it seemed um, a given pretty much that... that Japan would get that win against Costa Rica. But no, that that narrative would have been too straightforward. Costa yep. Rica could get the win. So I would count this. Maybe not, it's not memorable in the same way that Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia beating Argentina is. I actually think that's the most memorable match of this whole World Cup so far. Every World Cup, I think, has two or three games that stay with you forever. I think that's the only game so far that I'll probably remember for the rest of my life, to hurtful, be honest. Hurtful. <laughs> well, okay, the US beating Iran and uh, that... <laughs> That nil-nil draw against England. I don't want I your lip service. service. I don't want win. your lip The nil-nil draw against England. I, w- I will remember that one, actually. Still not beating them at a World Cup, Ryan Bailey. But, um, yeah, I think Saudi Arabia beating uh, Argentina is the, the only answer, frankly. I just did the Alan Partridge shrug. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Anyhow. Yeah, I, I agree with adding Japan-Costa Rica to the list there. Some other maybe tangible additions. Australia beating Tunisia. I just surprised that Australia kind of showed up. Ghana. Showing up and getting five goals so far as we record. What about Gareth Bale not showing up at all? And no, being not surprised. Absolutely not surprised by that. But the way he sort of flopped out of that final game against England. Going right, what was it, like six touches for Gareth Bale in that game? I think I believe he had six touches, uh, a one uh, pass completion in that game. The anomaly was the MLS Cup final goal. That was yeah. the anomaly, not his performances at this World Cup. His performances at this World Cup are par for the course for Gareth Bale over the last few months watch him in MLS Cup he couldn't run he could could barely move and I didn't see him producing that moment at all so that as I say that was the anomaly I at this point look maybe there's a final phase of Gareth Bale's career but I kind of think he might be done at the top level I, I, I don't think he's got it in his legs anymore so no frankly I didn't find that too surprising yeah. Um, what everyone has said, the only one, other one I would add, which is only like an honorable mention for me, is Morocco over Belgium. Yeah. 
just because mm. after Belgium, we're able to kind of weather Canada, get past them. I thought maybe this is going to be a team that does get out of the group, that does kind of put it together and find some results. And instead, Morocco get the win. We get reports of infighting in the locker room and uh, players not liking each other, players not liking the manager. So uh, it does feel like maybe the wheels falling off there a little bit, but that was something we had kind of predicted. Other than that, I agree with Joe's overall sentiment that there's a lot of like surprising results, but none that tick every single box of like team that we totally wrote off against a team that we thought was going to win the whole thing uh, and the team that we wrote off played like the better football and got the win even the Saudi Arabia game we've talked as Joe said about how this you play this 10 times Saudi Arabia win that one game uh, Argentina probably win the other ones so I think in that way that is probably the biggest surprise and the one that I will remember the most in terms of player surprises how do we feel about Neymar picking up an injury at a World Cup once again like he did in 2014 <laughs> is that a surprise or an upset it's an upset for the Brazilians right yeah, I mean, it's not a surprise because he's very good on the ball and very flashy and people kick him a lot. <laughs> he gets kicked a lot in France. He has a reputation for diving. I think if if you get booted as much as he does, maybe you're going to go down a little bit easily. But also, I think a lot of the time, uh, some of the theatricality maybe behind it is is what makes it seem like he is diving. I don't think he is. I think he gets kicked more than most players, maybe yeah. messy aside. Uh, so I'm not surprised that he's injured, but you look at that ankle, it looks real bad. We know he's going to miss the rest of the group stage. And yeah. in my mind, in my hope at least that that is a Brazil luxury of we have enough talent across the board to get through this one and then he can come back. I hope he comes back because yeah. I think he is a fun player, especially for Brazil. We've got their key goal scorer, Casemiro, in the locker. The best. Oh, good. Oh, Man, good. Man United taught him everything he knows, and only Man United, that's where his <laughs> career began. Yeah, and surely surely the biggest upset of this tournament is Kai Havertz not being in the running for the Golden Boot. That right? and Lucas Paqueta, you yeah. know, Lucas not, Paqueta. not doing anything really for Brazil on the attack. Those things are, are surprising, Ryan, and, and I don't know who could have you, ever foreseen them. You know what is really surprising? Has Harry Kane scored a goal yet? I'm not trying to like pour salt in the wound, but th that is shocking to me that I think so many people had him as the golden boot winner. Maybe that's Harry Kane's protective police coming to round me up. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't believe he has. No. And that's and that's one where I thought he would have four or five. If, if you told again, if you told me England beat Iran six two, I'm like, well, Harry Kane started off the tournament with a hat trick so that he's yeah. still at this point. He played has not very well in that game. Absolutely. Though, but he, yeah, he didn't score. Yeah. It's going to be one of those things where if England don't end up making a deep run or making it to the final. I feel like it's going to be billed as an unsuccessful tournament for him, and that is unfair because he has been a really important player for that team. He's facilitated so many goals, both in terms of actual assists, but also in his movement in occupying defenders, but still surprised that he's not on the score sheet yet. I, I've got one other surprise, not a result, but Canada crashing out yeah, as early as yeah. they did in Group F. Shocked me. Honestly, it shocked me. I thought this Group F was relatively weak in, in that for Canada, it was kind of there for the taking, maybe not to finish top, but Belgium as the pot one team, we all, and I think, well, okay, I, I shouldn't say this. I wasn't quite on this train yet, but having watched them much more closely over the last week and a half or so, Graham and Taylor and, and Ryan, maybe you as well, were all on the train that Belgium were not a particularly good team and they haven't looked it. So Belgium were there for the taking. Morocco, I think, are, are still open at the back. They rely pretty heavily on crosses into the box and just don't, don't look like this dynamic team Canada are now four points behind Morocco as we're recording. And Croatia are old in the midfield, and they're old in stretches of the attack. Canada are old in places as well, but they have a lot of young, up-and-coming talent with energy that I thought would be enough for them to get a result. They fall to Belgium after being the better team. That was unfortunate. Then they just absolutely phoned it in tactically against Croatia, and now they're out. That really surprised me, Ryan. 
Yeah, I'd like to take the opportunity to apologise to Lucas Paqueta, by the way, because I think I have a habit of ruining Brazilian players at World <laughs> Cups by saying they'll do really well. In 2014, I believe I tipped Bernardo to like. Oh, that the, worked out well. Breakout for him. star. Yeah, worked out really well. Worked out really well. I can't. I can't remember who I tipped in in 2018. I think it was like Fred or someone that I thought would be like the, the breakout star. Mm. 2010, I remember tipping Nicholas Ladero to be excellent for Uruguay. He was terrible. I think he gets sent off in the second game. But then, you know, goes to MLS as hey, well with the sound. It all works so. out. It all oh, works yeah. out, yeah. So my apologies there. Let's go to a question. Thank you, Holly, for that question. Sean Hardgrove has one. Uh, which players have primed themselves for a big Cody move Gakpo. in the next two windows? And why is it Cody Gakpo? <laughs> Anyone who plays for Juventus. <laughs> oh, also that. I'll take Graham Stig. I mean, uh, Cody Ooh. Gakpo has scored in, what, every single game of that the Dutch have played. I think he's been their most electrifying player, uh, which is saying something given that they do have plenty of talent around him. Uh, but he has done exactly what I thought he was going to do in this tournament. He has he has been a player who can ride challenges, who can get out of tight spaces, who can create from nothing, who can score goals. In the preview, I talked about how there were moments in his game that still showed you that he's not quite that finished, like, world-class product, that he under-hits passes, over-hits passes, doesn't necessarily complete dribbles on occasion. I haven't seen much of that in this tournament. Instead, I've seen a player who looks like he knows the fate of his, of his team rests on his attacking performance and has thus far backed it up. So, for me, it's Cody Gakpo. I think he was probably going to get a move anyway in January mm. or at the very least this summer. And I think now uh, the numbers behind that move are moving mm. ever up. I looked for another Eredivisie player. Um, I'll go with Mohamed Kudus, who yep. has just such incredible potential. And we've seen that at this World Cup for Ghana. Um, I've read that he sees himself as more of a deep-lying midfielder, but I think his real quality is in the attack and the way he can play as a false nine or out wide. Um, I think he's technically able. He's positionally excellent. He's 22, but he his frame is kind of already filled out. So I think he could go to a, a league like the Premier League. That's always a talking point with uh, players coming from Holland is whether they can handle the physicality of the Premier League or even the Bundesliga or one of those leagues. I think that would be no problem for him. So I think someone is going to get the checkbook out and, and, and pay big for him. And then another player is uh, Danny Olmo. Oh, me too. On your list yeah. as well. I thought, you were going to say I thought that was dog. a sleeper pick. Come dog, yeah. Yeah, come dog to Real Madrid. Um, I'd love to see that, by the way. I think everyone would. But uh, yeah, Danny Olmo, I guess you could argue he's already playing at a top level for RB Leipzig, but I do think one of the elite level clubs is going to come in for him at, at some point in the near future. He's kind of perfect for Spain in that he's got technical ability, he, he's good in possession, but he also has a bit of vertical threat. He gets in behind, he can play in pretty much any position across that front line, and he's got an eye for goal as well. So very much feels like a Real Madrid or a Barcelona will come in for him yeah. at some point. Yeah, so I have another winger type, Rafael Leao. Not, oh, not really Lucas because... Piquetta, I thought you were Oh, say. yeah, sorry. I meant to say Lucas Paqueta. That's my fault. Not, not really for Leao because of a lot that he's done, although he does have that ridiculous finish. He comes off the bench mm. in, the, in the Ghana game and he's smiling the whole way. Yep. That's one of my favorite moments of the tournament so far. He's not, frankly, for Fernando Santos, a key player for this Portugal team. But I think he is really, really good. And given the financial situation that we're seeing with Juventus, given the rest of Serie A, I think it's relative financial weakness. I could see Leao moving on from Milan at some point in the near future. Mm. That is probably one I would have said even before this tournament started, though. So yeah. I'll go to another trio of players, and I will put on my USA glasses here. Hmm. I think it is maybe the entirety of the Musa McKenny adams midfield, all for slightly different reasons. Graham, you said it. 
any Juventus player. Juve are going through a bit of turmoil at the moment, to say the least. Graham, do you want to do like the TLDR on the Juve situation in like 10 seconds? Uh, Juventus, no money, try to pretend that they have had money. Now people have realized they do in fact have no money and now in trouble. There it is. Great, great words from Graham Allegedly, yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Weston McKennie has kind of been, I feel like, close to leaving Juventus multiple times recently. This might be the thing that does it. And he's played well, I think, by and large in this tournament. So McKinney could be on the move. Tyler Adams has been electric for the U.S., counterpressing and, and defending and covering ground. He might be a level or two above Leeds. At this point, I think the move to Leeds was always a pretty major step down from RB Leipzig. I said that at the time. I think Adams is good enough to go and defend like he does for the U.S. for a team higher up in a, in a really good league, whether that's the Premier League or somewhere else. And then Musa, I think he's been inconsistent in this World Cup, to be honest, but he just turned 20 yesterday. Everybody is getting an up-close and personal look at how good he can be in flashes. I mentioned this on the pod yesterday after the US-Iran game. He can just dust people in midfield, and we see it over and over again. His physicality mixed with his ability to progress the ball and the dribble, mixed with some of his defensive range and ability to cover ground, makes him an incredibly intriguing prospect. He's not new for any European team. Teams already know about Yunus Musa. They're not just learning about him for the first time, but... I would not be surprised if Musa moves over the next couple of windows. I wonder about Anthony Robinson as well. Mm-hmm. Given that there's already been high-level interest in him from AC Milan, he doesn't get that move because of uh, some sort of heart issue yeah. or something like heart that. Heart yeah. But he's now playing at a good level for a decent Fulham team in the Premier League. He's now got World Cup experience. I didn't think he was particularly great against Iran, but I think generally he's had a good World Cup, so he might be another that's on the radar of a few clubs. I said heart murmur. As I recall, it's like not even that. Like it might, to the extent that it might have been like a weird circumstance of the moment, but mm. I, maybe he had a, a slight procedure. Either way, yeah, that is resolved. So I think that's a good shout. Anthony Robinson, I wouldn't be surprised uh, to see make a jump, especially if things don't go well for Fulham. Same for Tyler Adams. If things go poorly for Leeds, I could see a club swooping in with some money to, uh, to bring him. Mm. Uh, one one other name I'll throw into the mixer Nicholas Fulkrug of Werder Bremen if he becomes mm. the big boy of the tournament uh, if, if Germany managed uh, as we record they're still in the tournament I should add but uh, if, <laughs> if they do progress and they do play him as the big boy maybe um, maybe Real Madrid or Barcelona want a backup number nine who doesn't have a full set of teeth I don't know yeah who occasionally will lodge uh, a tooth in the forehead of, a, of an opponent <laughs> yeah exactly exactly anyone feel that's too much of a long shot yeah, yeah me too, too me much too. he's 29 so yeah, that's enough. a bit tough cool alright let's take a quick break when we come back a few more listener questions looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24-7 US based live customer service from Discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Today's episode is brought to you by our old friends, Mac Weldon. Wouldn't it be nice if we could have things both ways, like a zero-calorie cheeseburger, internet ads in March that weren't just reminders to do your taxes, a dog that never needs walking after midnight when it's cold, a Manchester United that is consistently good instead of their current scattershot approach? Well, we tend to think of clothing as an either-or situation as well. People think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort. But it's possible to have it both ways. Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. 
From their light-as-air underwear to innovative anti-odor tees and versatile yet comfortable pants, Mack Weldon has a full range of clothes that never go out of style. I got a few things recently, including a long-sleeve polo, which I love, uh, maybe the most comfortable t-shirt, which I also love, and my new favorite sweatpants, the Ace sweatpant. It's exactly what I described above, comfort and versatile, but still stylish. It's the type of sweatpant I can wear to pick up my kids from daycare and not think, I'm now wearing sweatpants in public. The other parents will judge me. Now I just think, judge away, nerds, because you will never be this comfortable unless you're also wearing a pair, in which case, high five. Mack Weldon is not flashy. It's just classic, always in style, and made from the world's most comfortable performance materials. They're designed to fit both your style and the demands of modern life. So get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code TSS. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code TSS to get 20% off your first order. Thank you to Mack Weldon for sponsoring today's episode. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to our World Cup listener questions special. David Beffer has been in touch with this one. You can bench one player for the rest of the tournament. The goal is to make the bench players team better by doing so. And no handicapping around, David adds there. Who do you bench and why does it make the team better? So we're going to have to go a bit negative Nancy, I think, with this one, Taylor. Uh, won't be hard for me. Cristiano Ronaldo is the person that I would bench. I think he it's the same problem that Manchester United have. It, you have to build the entire team around him and structure them in a way that gets the best out of him. And I think that gets increasingly hard to do. It's why very few clubs were in for him when it was made clear that he was available for cheap. Uh, now he is available for free, and it seems like maybe he's going to Saudi Arabia. I don't think he is the best player for that Portugal attack. I think Rafael Leao, though not playing the same position, probably gives you more attacking uh, creativity or at least attacking ability. So I think Fernando Santos also being benched wouldn't be the worst idea, but I, I think Ronaldo is the one that jumps to mind for me as being a player that could be uh, put on the bench and maybe that team plays better as a result. The only question for me there is who comes in for him. So I mm -hmm. guess Gonzalo Ramos could play that position. If Diogo Jota isn't injured for this tournament, then I think he's the obvious answer. I think Portugal are definitely a better team without uh, Ronaldo in that case. But yeah, just I just wonder who comes in this might be a cliche about Ronaldo, but who comes in for the big moments, essentially? If there's a penalty to be taken, I still think Ronaldo does have some value in, in those moments. But I take your point, Taylor. It very much feels like he's a bit of a burden for uh, every team he plays for at the moment. Yeah, Ronaldo was on my list. Aiden Hazard is on my list as yes. well. okay. That's uh, my answer. I think Belgium get better pretty quickly if they have one Hazard in the starting lineup and not two. So Eden just doesn't have the top-level speed or agility that, that made him into such an elite player mixed with his technical ability back for Chelsea, and even maybe in stretches for Real Madrid, I don't think we ever saw that fully. He's past it at this point, and, and he said as much, right? That's part of what makes it so surprising. I know he's won the captain's armband for this team. I'm sure he's important to how they play, but most importantly to the locker room and trying to continue to, to have that chemistry, even in the midst of it, sort of a difficult tournament for Belgium. I'm sympathetic to that, but I, I don't think you can really make an argument that Belgium are better off for having him on the field versus having him on the bench. So that, that's one for me. And then an, another one, Ryan, I'm curious to get your perspective on this. I, I think you, it ha one of the possible answers to this question has to be taking out either Mason Mountain or Raheem Sterling in favor of someone like Phil Foden or Jack Grealish. I'm not as high as uh, on Marcus Rashford, although I, I've heard from you, Ryan, and from Graham that he was really good yesterday against Wales. I mean, is is Mount or Sterling a fair answer to this question? And if so, which one do you take out or do you take both out? Uh, 
I think a lot of England fans would say Mount, but I would say Sterling. Yeah, mm, I think I he's been less effective in this tournament. I think Phil Foden has a lot of creativity that he can bring. He can come a bit more central. I, I, I would, I would 100% start Phil Foden as he did start uh, in the Wales game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree, Graham. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think so. Um, another England suggestion: uh, Harry Maguire coming out of that team, and someone like Tomori, which I know is a bit of a cheat answer because he's yeah, not I'm in playing. the squad. <laughs> yeah, but he definitely should be in the squad, and yeah. actually, I think he should be starting for it for England at this World Cup. So that would be another suggestion. Just going back to to Belgium, I echo everything that that Joe said about Eden Hazard. He was my answer, but I'd I'd also put forward. Uh, Vut Fass, if that's how you pronounce that. He plays for Leicester City. He's been good for Leicester City in the Premier League. This season, I'd have him over Jan Vertonghen. Uh, I think Belgium's mm. high line is a problem when they have a centre-back pairing with a combined age of over 250. So you get Fass <laughs> in there. He has pace. He's also good in the ball, playing out from the back. There is no downside to playing him in that Belgian back line because he's also good in the air. But no, not for Roberto Martinez. He's still got Alderweireld and Vertonghen in that defence. Graham, it says something about Belgium that yep. I had to actually think yep. about whether 250... Is yep. that... <laughs> they play with a back three, is that? That's no, exactly what I surely did. not. I surely really not. did the same thing. I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I guess, that, wait a minute. That's Hold too high. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, do, I do have one more answer to this question. Uh, I have, I would bench whoever Uruguay's second striker is other than Darwin Nunez, or maybe just bench Darwin Nunez and just play with one forward. Uruguay have kind of, well, they've changed their approach multiple times in this tournament already. They start the first game with, with Luis Suarez as the number nine and Darwin Nunez shaded off to the left wing. I don't really like that look. I know Nunez played as a winger at times for Benfica before he makes the move to Liverpool in the Premier League, but I don't think that's his best position. I think Nunez should be playing centrally. Then he goes and plays as part of a front two with Edson Cavani in the second game. Uruguay have looked stale in both of those matches. Maybe going with a single forward front and then some actual wingers would be a better look for Diego Alonso. Hmm. You've got me thinking about the Mason Mount question now as well. I suppose the logic would be Madison coming in. If it's a 4 2 3 1, it's yeah. more of a 4 3 3. Madison's a different sort of player, though. He doesn't drift out wide. Mount is kind of the glue in that England team a little bit. Mm. He is the link between the, the deep lying anchor of Rice and then having someone like Bellingham and then the wingers as well. I don't think Madison does that to the same extent. He's yeah. more someone that you would push up in behind a central striker and hope actually provide a bit of a goal threat rather yeah. than. I do think Mount has a, has a role in this England team, more so than. Sterling, who I think at the moment is just out of form for, for Chelsea and for England. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd go with that. And I do I do value Mason Mount. My, intrinsically, I felt Mason Mount has to be on that team sheet. Was very good also, I believe, in the Germany game before the game before this tournament as well. One other England one I'll throw out there, Harry Kane mm. coming out. Uh, it's an, Obviously, had a good game in the opening game. I don't think he did too big. Well, he got an assist, actually, against Wales, to be fair. Mm. <laughs> he, he, he did have contribution. But there's there's an argument, Graham, that Callum Wilson could do a better job, have a bit more pace, and do similar things. <laughs> I like that you set up the argument and then threw it to Graham to have to yeah. advocate for instead I'm of you. Sure sure I'm, saying, for yeah. I'm not saying yeah. I agree with it. <laughs> I, but in previous tournaments, I've seen Harry Kane not be 100%, uh, and it's frustrated me. I don't necessarily think that's the case okay. at this tournament. But he, there has been lots of... I've seen lots of chat about Callum Wilson. Why don't you get him in and start him in instead? Okay, so if there, if injuries and fitness is a factor, then yes, having Kane play every every minute of every game, yeah. I don't think is wise, and that has been an issue for Kane in the past. But I think last week I wrote a piece on how Harry Kane can be England's greatest ever World Cup player, so I'm not <laughs> sure that I fully subscribe to the idea that taking him out of that team, um, if he's fully fit, would benefit England. I think he's very important to them. How much does the stuff you all write like influence your opinion on player? Not just that if you write about them, you're more inclined to pay attention to them, but stuff like that. When you're like, Harry Kane, breakout player, because I've talked about before how I got the uh, the Fred goal scoring prediction wrong for Brazil and kept being like, oh, but 
they're just not getting him the ball in the way that's going to help him. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like I, I tended to find excuses. Do you feel like you're able to pivot pretty quickly if things aren't going well for the player you thought would go well? Uh, at a point. I think, okay. it, yeah, it, it colors your opinion to yeah. a certain extent, and then you realize that you have no evidence if, and you, you pivot. In general, if you look back at previews, they are setting up writers and broadcasters to fail. Yeah. Lucas Paqueta as an example. Luis <laughs> Suarez will score a penalty, according to me. So yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen yet. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, David, for that question. One final question for this episode from Adam Kalen. Given the fickleness of yellow cards, would you be in favor of replacing their use in tiebreakers with anything controlled by the team on the field, such as corners, such as differential between uh, XG and XG allowed and all that kind of stuff? <laughs> <laughs> or do we just outright remove yellow cards as a tiebreaker in general? So uh, is this a general question about tie breakers. Ryan's enthusiasm for that as being an option shows why that could never be because people would lose their minds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like the yellow card rule in theory. If there are two teams that are level, uh, but one kicked the crap out of the other one to get to that result, then chances are the team that was kicked is going to be the more entertaining of the two. It's so subjective, though, is my issue. Yeah, because a, a referee could make a bad decision, a bad call, someone mm-hmm. gets a yellow oh, that's card, there saying. could be inconsistencies in the, yeah. in the match, and even between matches as well, ref, different referees referee in different ways, so I, I'm not such a fan. But you're saying you do like the yellow card rule? Yeah, I'm saying yes, be, like because of that theoretical idea. Like In theory, it's because right, okay. the reason why they have it is because it's a team that maybe kicks more, wastes time more, picks up those cards in, in a way that is like anti-football, as the cliche is. I think broadly speaking, I don't know how true that actually is, but we're also talking about, Joe, what level tiebreaker is yellow cards? So this is the fair play points, which is what Mm. it's called when you rack up and get points or negative points for cards Mm. or whatever it is. Points is the first tiebreaker, obviously. That's that's how you decide things. Goal difference, goal scored, points in head-to-head games, goal difference in matches against teams who are level, goal scored in matches against teams who are level, and fair play points is seventh. So it's the seventh tiebreaker here. It's pretty far down the list, Taylor. Yeah, and, and on top of that, as I understand it, fair play points, you get way more of them for a red card. It's why if the U.S. have been, been on level on points and goal difference with Wales, the U.S. goes through because Wayne Hennessy is sent off. And so in my mind, it's more about the red cards given than it is the yellow. I guess it does end up being the yellow cards if that's what it has to be. But at that point, we're like 15 tiebreakers in, and I don't know if there's one that would be better than Catch. yellow cards. Kits, says mm-hmm. Graham, I'm not surprised to hear that. I'm also not not uh, into that idea. Well, it's just as well the U.S. didn't need that tiebreaker. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Wait, is there one that you would like more than yellow cards? Um, I mean, in theory, I do like the idea of using expected goals, but then whose model do you use yeah, for that? Yeah, it's difficult. So, and, and also the proper football men like Ryan Bailey here would, would have a tantrum over that. Mm-hmm. I guess um, along similar lines, maybe shots and difference between shots for and against which isn't ideal yeah. but it kind just of teams just teams taking pot shots exactly. from 35 yeah, yards out in the last three minutes of stoppage time that's why it's not ideal but once you get to the seventh tiebreaker you're yeah. not going to have an ideal yeah. solution anyway so players I, I, that play in scotland whichever team has more they get to go through that sounds like australia going through to the last 16 though <laughs> graham can't be having that graham cannot be having that i have nutmegs as my answer oh yes that's the right answer i mean there's all sorts of these you could do right nutmegs rainbow flicks i think would be a great one as well the best 
Cats national anthem is on oh, my list, yeah. and and maybe how it's sung by the players or not. I mean, depending on the moment, right? Whatever. Wales tasteful. would have a much better shot. I think so. Goals by goalkeepers. Goals by. No, I was also thinking goalie wars. <laughs> yes. There's lots of things we can do. we we do play a quick game of futsal or five aside. I mean, yep. there are so many options here that are better than fair play mm. points. Come on, bare knuckle boxing. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I saw FIFA today uh, confirming that they're considering bringing in penalty shootouts to decide drawn games at the 2026 World Cup. So maybe we could have some of these ideas can we not ruin the world cup like the winner we're my fit one we're of fall down that road one, we really i was gonna say i was talking to my wife last night and i was telling her that one of my favorite moments of yesterday genuinely in a in a day that was wonderful for the united states winning was graham leaving uh br studios genuinely like walking through times square and i will edit this but Kind of loudly, I wouldn't say screaming, but loudly proclaiming, it doesn't feel like a World Cup because it's Christmas, and it doesn't feel like it's Christmas because it's the World Cup. <laughs> and it feels like we are not in the right season for the World Cup to be happening. It's already expanding. I don't need penalty shootouts. I don't know what's going to happen next, like retracting goals, like like putt-putt style that you have to shoot at the right Ooh, moment. Okay. I, that would be fun. Let's like, not let, Let's make it 14 players. Diana so we get Ross goals in there. that just yes, fall exactly. apart. <laughs> yeah, yes. that would be good. That would be good. Why don't we just stop? We'll just do penalty shootouts instead of games. I mean, that'd be quicker. Florentino Perez is much favor. quicker. Yeah, that's a TikTok game right yeah, exactly. there. Exactly. We'll just carry on with our lives after a quick penalty shootout. I'm up for that. <laughs> I, I, keep, I hate all of this. <laughs> I seriously do keep coming back to nutmegs. Would that game? Would that make the game more fun if deep down in, in players' heads they knew See. that they might have to nutmeg someone to get out of the group? Uh, yes. Then we have to like. I think we can all agree, but it's like playing pickup when like I I went for a mega against Graham when we were playing pickup, and then it was like, no, you didn't get on the other side, you didn't collect yeah, it, that yeah. doesn't count. That is that is essentially how I play fives, as I count the megs rather than goals. Graham's like, oh, we won five to four. Graham, no, we lost. I think, yeah. No, I had five megs. Yeah, it could actually change the way soccer looks. You know how defenders will put their arms behind their back now. <laughs> sure. you would have people. That's just how like, I was defending against Taylor the other night. But players would be hopping, not not splitting their legs at all. Like through ball style. Like yeah, or, just you'd, one or you kind stick. of you'd, be, you'd have players setting up more slaloming their legs, so there's less a chance of it. I think it would, you, could change the game. You know, someone like Antonio Conte would like tie their legs like a certain length apart and train the players that way, so that they like never took more of a, like a stride that was too unnecessary to leave you vulnerable to nutmegging. Like you'd have that level of intensity in the training. This is yeah. how the U.S. wins the World Cup. Taylor is they start training this ahead of everybody else. Yeah. We get them in on this from the ground floor. Like Scotland, Grimmer, Scotland, the first country to, to ban heading in training? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so just be like Scotland. Get on the wave early, and the World Cup is ours in 2026. I feel like we're like like slightly advocating for foot binding, and Did I'm not say, saying that. If you want to win the World Cup, be like Scotland. <laughs> ah, I mean, maybe there's a, like, a dot, dot, dot between those things. A little bit of the quote was left out there, but yeah, yeah I guess so. There's some incongruence hey. there, Joe, I would I mean, argue. they did invent the sport, so. Who'd have thought that we'd oh, find Oh, yes, it? back in my good <laughs> There we go. I was going to say, who'd have thought we'd find a way to insult Scotland at the end of our uh, time together? Uh, Everyone. One more Everyone, yeah, Everyone had that. Yeah. Uh, forgive me if this has been brought up already, but if, if I'm correct, I think this was the case in the previous World Cup. After fair play, is it Drawing lots is the next tiebreaker. I I don't know. Has, has that that always gets mentioned around this time of a major tournament? Has it ever happened? Before? I'm sure there's been a coin. There's been coin flips in the past, right? right okay. To decide major games. Oh, I'm sure awful. of that. Like semifinals and stuff. I'll have to look. Wasn't there I'm one not in sure. 66? I can't remember it. I'm gonna have to look it up. I think it's uh, I think it's hungry, hungry hippos is the decider. Uh, yes. Whoever wins. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Jenga, giant yep. Jenga. Yes, right. exactly. Oh, good. <laughs> Well, we could, I just, I'm just imagining if there was like a, a drawing lots, what the ceremony would look like. Over the top. Morgan Freeman will be present. Yep. He will be <laughs> lip syncing poorly. I think we can all agree on that. Not, not the same at all. But isn't that how 
Jermaine Jones ended up with New England. Wasn't that genuinely a coin flip between who got him in Chicago and New England? So sometimes the coin is a cruel mistress. And in this case, I guess for Chicago, that's exactly what it yeah, was. Yeah, when in doubt, do what MLS does. Yeah. And flip a coin to decide <laughs> which players uh, go coin. where. Tails never fails, baby. <laughs> uh, in, on 5th of June 1968, a coin toss sent hosts Italy into the European Championships final over the Soviet wow. Union. The Italy went on to win the final in a replay. There Yikes. you go. Yeah, we shouldn't so do happened. that. Fire truck lawyers happen. just like their ears perked up. Like, no one say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Italy, Soviet Union, coin flip. Mm. I feel like there's a lot of potential Both there. Both sides of the coin were the same. There was, see, <laughs> now I'm in trouble. <laughs> There was never a coin. Mm. All right, I think this is getting loose enough that we should probably wrap this thing up. We're all headed off in our separate directions. Just for me to say, it's been an absolute pleasure spending my time in Brooklyn HQ for TSS this past 10 days or so. So thank you to each of you. Taylor, it's been wonderful. Yeah, it really has. It's been it's been wonderful to spend time with you all. Uh, it, I feel like we clicked really well. Uh, everybody was nice and tidy, but also everybody was just, I think, very enjoyable. Uh, you never want to be the one saying that, and then quietly everyone's like, that guy sucked. Uh, but but no, I feel like, I feel like we, we all got... the worst. Yeah, it's my concern. Uh, I feel like, we, but we all got along well, and it was really nice to hear from different people, like the BR people yesterday, just like, you guys have really good chemistry. How long have you been doing this together? And it's like, well, in person... Like nine days ago, like so, it, it's cool that there was that sort of connection, that that sort of spark, at least for me. So uh, I've I've enjoyed that. I will look back on this fondly. I do, though. Uh, my last thing, keep having that thing of like, ah, oh, well, that's it. Like, good World Cup, everybody. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. still happening right now? Like, okay, right, still got games Yeah, when to we watch. go home, <laughs> yes. it's still going to be the same routine of four <laughs> games until Saturday, it's I think, waiting. and then it reduces to, yeah. two, to two. I'm looking forward to Saturday. Yep. Joe Lowry, a pleasure spending time with you, sir. Yeah, right back at you. This has been super fun. I've enjoyed pretty much every moment of this trip. My One of my favorite parts is when we started playing five aside the other day. Maybe we started with four aside, mm-hmm. and it was just TSS oh, yeah, first. And, I mean, mostly because we had Taylor, and Taylor was the best player there by a significant margin. We were dominating, but Graham was saucing it up. Ryan was holding it down. I was trying my best. It I, was it was great. We I promise fun. I'm not fishing. I don't know if that's true. I thought all all three of you were quite good. I couldn't dribble past Joe. I couldn't get past Graham. Ryan is... That's because I defended like a foosball player. Oh, that works. <laughs> Ryan... That, that did work. And then Ryan is, is one of those people who is like shockingly strong. Like I kept going into 50-50s and be like, why am I flying off of him? So in, in that way, I thought you all were really good. We had, we had some uh, other good people show yes, up. Yes, we so did. I thought it was quite nice. I just did enjoy that the four of us, I think, scored four goals in a row, like very quickly. To start, yeah. yeah. That's right. Get on our level. We got yeah. that chemistry. Yeah. It was fun. We had a really yeah. good time doing that. I had a great time. This has been a blast. We'll have to do it again soon. Indeed. Trying to work out if shockingly strong is a compliment or not. I got to whir that around in my head for a little bit. But uh, Contemplate that you. on your flight home. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. trying to think of more like, you are very good at most mm. things that yeah. you do. You do look weak, but actually, <laughs> that, was, that was what I was thinking, yeah. Uh, Graham, it's been an absolute pleasure spending <laughs> no, time you're with very, you. You're very svelte, but then at the same time, you, you can't be pushed around, unlike some of your countrymen. Okay, I'll I'll take that in. That's gone positive for me. Thank oh, you very wow. much, Tata. And Graham, once again, absolute pleasure spending time yeah. with you. When we first arrived in Brooklyn, I got a hug off you. I'm getting another one before you oh, leave. No. There'll be a shower in your, the part of your okay. cabin you're in on the plane. You can wash it off. Don't worry. Okay, thanks, Ryan Bailey. Yeah, this has oh, been that's... an incredible yeah. experience. 
The live show in particular is something that I will always remember. Just the realization that people actually listen to these shows mm-hmm. that we do mm-hmm. and that we're not just speaking into the void <laughs> was uh, quite baffling to me. But yeah, thank you to everyone that came to both yes. the live show and the watch party and has subscribed to the Patreon. Keep uh, keep on the Patreon. There's going to be more content content right up until the end of the World Cup. Yep. But yeah, it's something I'll remember for the rest of my rest of my life, I guess. Graham, I've been doing this for 13 years now. That feeling never goes away of like, you guys are listening? Really? Like, oh, that's so wonderful. Thank you so much. We had people who've been listening since like 2010, 2014. uh, And that it blows my mind every single time. I'm guessing it will continue to blow yours. And Ryan, I agree with you. I very much enjoyed just like putting a hand on Graham's shoulder and seeing how long he can go before it. Watch him square. I'm okay with this. This is fun. Yeah, eventually. (laughs) Eventually it gets shaken off. Oh, bless him and bless you all. Yeah. Very nice. Well, this is, <laughs> listener, just to be clear, this isn't the end of our World Cup coverage. No. We're very much continuing every day uh, as we have been doing. So we'll catch you tomorrow for the games on Thursday as they are. And uh, join us on the Patreon if you'd like to support us and support our intrepid journey that we all took to uh, converge the time zones and be in the same plane for one special group stage. Oh, we got to worry about time zones again, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Back to four different time zones. <laughs> Listener, thank you very much for joining us on this one and all of the others. We'll be back soon. But for now, bye. You got a slice of